What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello, welcome to We Knows Parenting, the parenting podcast hosted by real-life parents. I'm Beth Newell. And I'm Peter McNerney. We are married. We're parents. We've got kids that are two years old and almost four years old. Tomorrow, Bryn turns four. That's... And I've got to say, I'm pretty excited. We got the cow cake situation sorted out. Yeah, Cow cake is definitely a brown cow, as you Woo! insisted. That'll show them. I went in after really vilifying that woman last week. Uh, I went in and realized, like, oh, this is a very nice woman. And uh, we we patched it up. Why did you go back in? Uh, to pay for it. Oh. I went in the middle of the week to pay for it. Okay. But you picked it up yesterday. Yeah, I picked it up. You gave it a peek. It looked Okay. Yeah, I glanced at it. It's um, I didn't realize until I got there what a treacherous um, task it is to try to like transport a cake somewhere without ruining it. Mm. And so I, they said put it on a flat surface. I put it in the trunk and it was fine. But just walking across the street one way, carefully carrying the cake, by the time I put it down in the car, it was already smushed on one side. <laughs> like I didn't. There was n- there's no way to transport a cake that's in like a flimsy little white well, bakery box. Well, what I was originally planning was to get the cake this morning on the way to school with the kids. And I think that it would not have survived a Bryn and Maven uh, co-traveling situation. Yeah, no, this was good because I gave it to daycare yesterday as we were as they were leaving. And I was like, get this cake away from me before our kids destroy it. So and they took it. As a result, this morning I just took Bryn and Maven to school, and they're going to celebrate Bryn's birthday at at daycare. And uh, we got there a little bit early, so sometimes we sit out front and wait five minutes because I don't want to be obnoxious and 
going too early. And so I'm sitting there talking. I'm like, Bryn, you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow you turn four. And he goes, no, I turn four on Thursday. By the way, he doesn't, he doesn't ever say yesterday. He says the day that yesterday was. Yeah, he's really into the days of the week now. But in his defense, this birthday thing is very confusing because yeah. we've been talking about it. And he had got a cake at my family reunion. And he at the family reunion, he turned to my sister when the cake came out. And he goes, Allie, you didn't get me a present for my birthday. <laughs> so she felt horrible. But she's like, it's not your birthday yet. But here's a cake. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and then now we're like talking about this cake. And we're. I was trying to explain it to him yesterday. I was like... I, we have the cake today, but you're going to eat the cake tomorrow at daycare, and then Saturday is your actual birthday. Yeah, so when I, I Lucas, tried to explain I, that. And I said, Lucas is coming over, and he was like, so we're going to eat the cow cake on Saturday with Lucas? And I was like, well, no, because you'll have already eaten the cow cake at daycare. So I was like, maybe we'll get you something else. And he was like, okay, mommy, okay. <laughs> and then he, I guess he thought I didn't hear him, so he goes, mommy, I said, okay. <laughs> Uh, he really wanted to make sure I knew he was okay with a second treat. I'm, I just want you to know, <laughs> I am definitely fine if you want to give me more cake. I'm down with the compromise. I'm open to that. Well, what he interpreted from that conversation was that he turned four yesterday on Thursday and he is, his birthday is not tomorrow. But I think that was just him being disagreeable. It was though. him I being think- so disagreeable. And then I was like, okay. And then I just started being silly to distract him because I could see he was about to go to a super stubborn place. And then uh, the, the uh, somebody else arrived at daycare and they started going in. I go, okay, great. I can be a little early. Somebody else is here. So I pulled them out. And so we're going in at the same time as another uh, family. And Bryn comes in and the woman who runs daycare goes, Bryn, today's your birthday. And the other woman goes, Bryn, it's your birthday today? And Bryn goes, yes, today is my birthday. <laughs> well, like, it's funny. What was that whole conversation about Thursday? When I handed them the cake yesterday, all the kids were in the front lawn of daycare. And Bryn was like, you're all going to get to have a piece of my cow cake. And he was like so proud. He was like, I am the king and you will get your cake. I'm just remembering now being young, not that young, but those sort of like five, six, seven probably birthday parties. And I remember preparing. My mom My mom threw some pretty great like lo-fi uh, birthday parties uh, like make your own Sundays, uh, you know, homemade games and stuff. And I remember prepping for those birthday parties with my mom and putting out the bowls or the activities and stuff. And then just being like, okay, it's all set. People are arriving. And I right now I have a distinct memory of opening the door for the first friend and being like, welcome to my party. And that exact feeling like of like giving them the grand tour. Yeah. And it's like, this is my day and I am your humble host. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so the I other, love my birthday. The other thing that happened this week is my sister and I took the kids to Playland, which Ooh. is a very small little amusement park nearby, um, which was very exciting for Bryn. And it was... I'm so jealous. You always do this, though, where I know, if I, I try to plan something on a weekend or try to motivate you to bring the kids somewhere fun, you're always like, no, let's just lay on the couch. And then when I do these things with my sister... When you're working, you're always act jealous as though you weren't invited along. Well, I will say 
It has been a long time since you've been like, hey, let's do a thing. And I say, no. Mm, I don't, I don't do that anymore. That. I am real lazy on the weekends. But if you're like, we should go somewhere. I've, it has been a long time since I've said no. I've asked to go to the beach at least four times this summer when you said no. <sighs> you know what? You really just got me there. But I've in those situations, <laughs> I've suggested something else because I sort of hate the beach. You haven't suggested something else. <laughs> We've gone out. I'll do better. I, I'm very aware. Okay. Um, anyway, we went anyway. to Playland. Um, it was amazingly hot. Um but he's finally at the age where that I feel like that's prime he was playland loving it, age. but we made the mistake of getting on this ride at the beginning that's like sort of the equivalent of like a teacups thing, but the seats spin around mm-hmm. and it was like as the first ride choice, it was really bad because my sister and I were immediately nauseous with the kids, <laughs> and I was just a good like, way to start. Oh God, this is gonna be a lot, and it's so loud, yeah. And then we found some other rides that are less nausea-inducing, but it's also, like, a little bit of a weird thing. Maven is, like, just a little too short and young for things, so you have to go on with her as an adult, which is fine, except that some of the rides don't really have great seating to share Mm -hmm. with a kid and an adult. So there is one ride where you drive, like, trucks around, and for Bryn to sit in the cabin of the truck, he had to be alone, so... I just decided to skip out on that because Maven seemed tired anyway. She like didn't nap mm-hmm. because of the timing of this trip. So I was like trying to just like shoo her away. So my sister took him on that and that was very exciting for him. I and saw they- the video. I've never seen a prouder trucker. He was so proud. <laughs> he's like, I'm driving this and no one is helping me. Yeah. He's like, I'm driving a real truck. He's like, do you see this? Yeah. His face like, I'm driving a truck. So then, oh, and then there was a live performance by a teenage boy dressed as like i guess like the candy man or something he sang <laughs> he sang this song like the candy man can from, right from Willy wonka like, Willy wonka and then he did he performed like a live like it was sort of like a morality play where there's two puppets as hansel and gretel and they were annoyed because their supposed millennial parents were always trying to feed them kale and healthy foods <laughs> Like, they literally said, ugh, our millennial parents always want us to eat kale and avocados. And then, and they're like, we just want to eat candy. So then it's like this whole thing where... Who wrote this? It's pre-recorded. The teenage boy was the only one singing, doing this live performance very enthusiastically. I have to say he was really committed and really a strong performer. And the puppets are pre-recorded audio to a track. So there's just someone behind there flapping the puppet's mouths open throughout. And the... I picture that person being the opposite level of enthusiasm as the teen. And he's just an old guy who somehow with two puppets on his hand still has a cigarette in his mouth. Maybe. Yeah, but so there's like a series of songs where these kids go and eat all this candy and they're loving it. But then they get stomach aches and then they make jokes that sort of allude to it being like a hangover. Mm. Um, And then... (laughs) They go back to their parents and they're like, sort of like, their parent, they're like, oh, we never want to eat candy again. And their parents are like, we decided to give you a treat. We're going to make a gluten free, blah, blah free cake. And it's just like the, <laughs> it's just like such a weird, dumb character. I really do want to know who wrote this. Um, Sounds like a baby boomer or a Gen Xer. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, but it's really funny to think of like, Millennial parents, in my mind, 
is still like a brand new thing, but it's, but we're past that point. Like there's the, you know what I mean? I mean, sort of, I don't know. We are on the older end of millennial parents. Yeah, but Which we're also, feels like new to us, but in the rest of the country, people yeah. are having kids much younger. We live in an area where people have babies later. Yeah. Anyway, it I was... I still a, feel like a young parent. Oh, so here's the craziest part of the story is we're in the park and Bryn's starting to like get into like the game areas. And I'm like, we've got to get out of here because I can tell like the kids are getting tired. It's overstimulating. Mm-hmm. And so I had eyed this log ride one of those ones where you go inside into like dark tunnels yeah. and i was like trying to figure out if the kids were old enough and i figured out they maven was like tall enough or whatever and i was like this is definitely going to be probably too scary for them but it looks so cool and dark in there compared to being hot outside and also yeah. like it's on the it's like on the way out so i was like maybe we can just get this done so <laughs> we take them in there there's animatronic trolls <laughs> Their kids are like immediately pretty scared and they were talking about it for a while. Yeah. And they were like, so they were pretty scared. And then they, it gets to like scarier parts. There's like a dragon and the, like it starts with like nice dwarves, which is still pretty scary. But then these (laughs) scary trolls come out and Bryn and Maven are terrified. And one of the trolls has like a water gun that he's shooting at us, which (laughs) Bryn did not like. And by the end of the ride, Maven was just like pressing her head against me, trying to like hide in my arms. And Bryn was putting his hands on his ears in terror. And they were (laughs) so scared. And then we got out and Maven immediately brightened up. Like it was sort of like they, it was like one of those things that was like so terrifying to them that I think in her mind she was like, will this ever end? Am I going to die here? So yeah, she got out and I think she was like, it's over. (laughs) She was like smiling and I was like, Maven, are you really happy it's over? And she was like, yeah. And then um, Bryn was like kind of mad at us and he was like, that was too scary. I didn't like it. So the benefit of this was they were both lightly traumatized and I was able to convince them to leave. I was like, you guys want to go home? And they were like, yeah. So that's a hot tip for all you parents out there. It really is a good way to scare your kids out of the amusement park when you need to leave and traumatize them into leaving so then we get in the car and my sister and i were trying to lighten the mood for Bryn, and we were like that was so crazy when that troll was spraying at us we were both we were like what the heck is going on here we were trying to make it seem like funny and weird and so (laughs) Bryn immediately picked up on it and started changing his story and was like (laughs) yeah it was crazy in there and he was like he was like I said to that troll, hey, stop that troll. And like he like changed it where he was like really brave and like annoyed at the troll, which is so funny because he was like cowering in fear when we were in the ride. So Boy, that's my son. It all worked out. <laughs> well, good job. He's had nightmares ever since. No, he hasn't. This next segment is called We Don't Knows. It's where we share a perplexing or defeating parenting moment. All right, I got one. This one's about death. Um, so we are reading a book. We've read this book a bunch. But there was an old woman who swallowed a fly. And we have lots of fun, fun with this book in bed. We do a lot of singing. Yeah, should we, we like sing to, it? Mav- yeah, well, Maven, each time I turn the page, I do it longer where I go, there. 
there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. Okay, so that's where the death comes in. Mm-hmm. And then she swallows the spider to catch the fly, blah, 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 blah. It's a very fun book. By the end, we get Maven and I go, longer and longer each time. There was an old lady who swallowed a fly. It's really fun. And that last one, it goes, was an old lady who swallowed a horse? And then the page turns and it abruptly goes, she died, of course. And then you flip the page, it says, moral, never eat a horse. And there's a picture of a gravestone. Because the woman oh, is dead. Yeah. Maven and Brenda pointed that out to me, and one of them was like, oh, a door. Yeah, that's what Maven said. And I was said. like, yeah, I'm not going to correct you on that. And oh, well, what guess what? I did not not correct them. Oh, good. Well, no, Brynn didn't say Brynn said, what's that? And I go, hmm. And quick calculation in my mind. I'm like, do I want to get into this? I'm like, he asked me. I go, that's a gravestone. <laughs> and he goes, what's that? I'm like, that's, they buried the old lady because she's dead. And he goes, huh? And then I'm, I'm like, I'm just keeping it light, just and factual. I'm like, yeah, you know how you watch those videos with the skeletons <laughs> in the graveyard? That's a graveyard. And the escalitos. Yeah. And then I said something that he can, they connected with him. I was like, yeah, the old lady, she's buried in the ground, and then that's then you become a skeleton. He goes, huh? And then I was like, all right, I think that's enough. All right, great. And then it took me back, like I remember. When I was little, I remember my mom talking about death. And I, in retrospect, I really appreciate the way she handled it, which is very factual and very light, which is, and she would always, I didn't get, I mean, I, we went to church, but my mom never said to me like, oh, you die and you go to heaven and it's great. There's nothing to worry about. She would literally just go, yeah, well, when you die, like what happens? She goes, well, we don't know, you know, you die and, and, uh, we don't know and there's nothing you can nothing we can do about it so no big deal i don't i don't know i would have to look into this but i feel like developmentally they're he's our kids are not at an age to comprehend any of that well that's why i didn't go that far into it yeah but i mean just i'm hesitant to like get into any of it right now because i think it's just like confusing like Mm -hmm. because they they love to say things like you're dead and like play games at daycare where they're like trying to kill each other or whatever and it's like it's i just like don't want to get into it because i don't want to give weird weight to those games that they're playing because they have no context for what they're saying (laughs) yes and i mean i remember being very young and like fully grappling with the question of death and i remember being totally terrified and in, in bed and unable to stop thinking about it and like rationalizing it. Wait, I, this is after you just said you love the way your mom handled it. You're now like, this is old. This is a little older. Okay. I remember thinking about it, <laughs> but I don't think there's any way around that, you know, unless you're, cause yeah, I'm just saying, let that happen at an age when they're old enough to like sort of process it and not like, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it's also, Oh, boy. This is going to be the same thing with, like, sex, which is also something I have found moments where that I'm avoiding. Well, I also I, we had some listener feedback on we were talking about discussing race with your kids. And I, like, one of the – I don't remember if we well, talked about Well, we're going to talk about that oh, later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I think you 
I agree those things should be discussed. I just think our son is barely four years old and he won't have any idea what we're talking about. And then we just have a little kid who's repeating weird things to other people. I did think that though. I'm like, you know what? He's probably going to go to school and be like, you know, we get buried in the ground and become dancing skeletons. Yeah. (laughs) I I do want to say I think it's – I'm impressed that our kids have sort of come full circle this year on – loving Dia de los Muertos imagery and Escalitos for almost an entire year now. And now we're coming back around to Halloween and it's going to be relevant again, but mm-hmm. they've kept the flame they've alive. Kept the, they've kept that, that ball in the air. <laughs> this this Halloween, I think, is going to be the first like monumentous, mo- momentous, monumentous, monumental or momentous uh Halloween for Bryn, where like he knows exactly what he's getting into. He's gonna get his costume, the anticipation, the candy. Yeah. I think Maven will turn a corner too because uh-huh. her love of candy is so strong, but her fear yeah. of people was also very strong last year. Yeah. So. Sure. <laughs> Maven Halloween last year, it was she got the first piece of candy and yeah. she's like, Well, this is a jackpot. I'm yeah. done. She's like, just let me eat this. I don't want to talk to anyone. Let anymore. me slowly eat this one piece of chocolate for an hour. <laughs> and then Bryn realized, I can get more. I can get more. And he was on a mission. Yeah. Well, he was also like, oh, I get to go talk to people and tell them what I'm wearing. Great. Um, so anyway, actually, I want to hear from people about your, uh, this is potentially very heavy, but your death conversations with, with uh, kids. Um, I mean, boy, so, I mean, I don't know if I get into this, but like, you know, when I was, there's people, obviously there's little kids that have to deal with like actual immediate death in their family. And that's Mm -hmm. like a a huge thing that people, you can't screw it around. Right. And to the point of like our conversation about race, a similar thing that like a, a lot of people have the luxury to not talk about these things. And there's plenty of people that have to, that have to, like, address this with a, a small child. And I, I can't even begin to imagine that conversation. Uh, but I think uh, overall, this is a bit of a left turn, kids, I th- uh, kids can handle those conversations a bit more than I think most people, and I know myself personally, uh give them credit for sometimes. And I feel myself, it's more about me going, oh, I'm nervous about this than it is them not being able to deal with it. Um, that felt true when I said it. I don't know if it is. But you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. I think I uh, just, I I don't know. Maybe I'm overly, overly concerned with what my kids are going to say at daycare. But like if... For example, one of our kids' grandmothers died. We might say something to daycare and be like, his grandmother died. He went to a funeral this week. Just like yeah. let you know why he might be saying some things. Yeah. So they can be like emotionally aware or whatever. But And Bryn would be the kid that would explain it to everybody. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's fine. Obviously, yeah. you would talk it through. But like I think you out of that context, I just worry about like what kind of crazy stuff he's going to start telling other kids and then their parents have to hear from them their concern yeah i just (laughs) you know what i'm excited for the challenge okay (laughs) 
We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a Day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. This next segment is called Did You Knows? This week, Beth has some exciting or interesting parenting facts that she's learned that she's going to share. It's no longer just my segment. <laughs> she's going to, I'm no longer mansplaining. Okay. We're getting some woman-splaining. This is a... That's not a good joke. You know, this is not so much a fact as a conversation because um, mm-hmm. I'm a woman. And <laughs> the uh, this is an article um, sent to me called How New Fathers Use Social Media to Make Sense of Their Roles on a website called theconversation.com. Mm. Um, but it's sort of just talking about how dads historically don't have as much of a model for father for like being active fathers because they normally worked and the wife would stay at home. And so they feel they'll feel out of place on the playground or in like Facebook parenting groups and things like that. Mm -hmm. So this is talking about how dads are sort of figuring it out on the internet and looking for community online. And it was saying how, uh, I think it was saying how while moms are more attracted to things like Facebook groups and different things, uh, dads tend to go to places like Reddit where they're anonymous. They can post questions anonymously. And I thought that was really 
interesting that mm. um that makes sense to me i it makes perfect sense and i understand the impulse but it's also funny to me because it's like a tangible example of this like sort of emotional detachment a lot of men have like this inability to discuss their feelings and issues and be vulnerable mm-hmm. and i think i can see a lot of reasons why you would want to be anonymous online for certain problems but I also think sometimes in doing so, you're robbing yourself of a certain vulnerability and like a certain type of assistance that you could be getting by connecting with people directly as yourself. Maybe, but I I'll, mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't utilize any of that. I'm like, and it probably speaks to the same thing where I'm like, uh, who are you? I don't, I don't want to. But I don't want like, you to. I mean, I was about to say, like I don't them, want you to know about me, and I have a fucking podcast about parenting. <laughs> but this is like the male thing of like wanting like a very concrete blanket answer that applies to everyone, and going on Reddit and debating like in this abstract way. Like the the example they give in this article is like custody stuff, and like I think you know when you do something anonymously yeah. online, and then you leave out all the context of like who you're divorcing, and like. It's so easy to paint this like like very biased picture of what's going on and have all these people weigh in and be like, yes, you're correct. This is the correct way to proceed. Whereas in my mom groups, what I like is that people can present a very personal issue they're having with their family or whatever. And then we all know the ongoing context of how this person has been treating them or whatever's going on. And we can be like, hey... I don't like sometimes the answer is not an answer. The person just needs emotional support. And we're like, it's really shitty that you're going through this right now. Well, see, but everything you're saying right now, I'm like, that's the last thing (laughs) that I want to hear from some stranger about. And I was like, that's why I'm saying get it from someone in a Facebook group that you kind of know. But I'm, I'm, I bet dad's online and I'm not a part of this community for probably the same reasons where I'm just like that's none of your business uh again I don't again total hypocrite because I'm doing this podcast but I bet there's a lot more like hey and I think this is in this article that like dad's groups there's a bit more of that sort of like DIY stuff like here's some some like baby hacks but it's how to do all these things as opposed to it's not about it's not looking for validation. It's looking for tips. You know what I mean? No, but here's my issue with that is that men pretend that they don't need emotional support, but then they will only, they do need emotional support, but they choose to only get it from the woman in their lives. So then they dump all of this onto the like one woman in their life who is supposed to talk them through their emotions and be their therapist and listen to all their problems Whereas women are, I've said this before, but like women are more likely to go to therapy. They're more willing to talk to their friends. They, they create a community to deal with these issues that like everyone has. And then they, they get, they don't burden their partners with like every little emotional problem they have, but then women are burdened with their partner's issues. Uh, Plenty of that is valid. I mean, there. This is where you get down to, and like, I know exactly what you're going to say about it. Like, this is 
there is a societal and like a hardwired difference between men and women in terms of that like which bleeds into a ton of these statistics which is women are far more aware of this social network and like people needing each other and are and are better at reaching out like that and and men stereotypically are more singularly focused. I mean, some of it is hardwired, but I think also a lot of it is just societal. And I well, it's on top like, of that because it's that like caveman, cavewoman, a woman. If you're going to reproduce, you, that's a commitment of 18 years. For a man, it's just like sex. That's it. And that puts women's minds have developed way more to think about what is the effect of this. What is my social network? Who's going to support me? And so that is, that exists. No, but. Here's but the, here, and then on top of that, society has been built from that to exacerbate the difference. But yes. here's the thing: is the inability of men to be vulnerable mm-hmm. is what leads to a lot of extreme issues in our country. Which is like this is <laughs> like this is literally where like the MRAs, the 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 domestic violence, the shootings, this is a product of men having nowhere to go to connect and be emotionally vulnerable and admit their pain. Um, and they it, like there's statistics behind like No, people, I, I'm like, I'm on board with all of that. But like like I listen I really like this podcast um that's has a kind of dumb name. It's called Dharma Punks NYC, but it's this guy who's a Buddhist and a psychologist and he is very big in the attic community. And he talks about how, you know, when people, a lot of times their addiction is a product of trying to suppress emotions that they have nowhere to, they have no outlet for. So they are not sharing their emotional issues anywhere. And so they bury them with substance abuse. And I think we can all relate to like stuffing our face with food or some substance or whatever. But what happens is they go to, AA meetings or whatever, they're able to share their issues and they have this community of people and men do this too. They go to AA Mm -hmm. and they, a lot of times they're not a lot of times, but sometimes they're able to stop drinking and they'll do this for like 10, 20 years, whatever. And then at some point they think that they're cured and they are like, I don't have to go to these meetings anymore. I've been doing this for 20 years. And what happens is that they stop going to the meetings and then they like almost immediately will relapse because they're no longer sharing their emotions in a safe space. And they people need that connection. But men are given less opportunity to have it. And they also isolate themselves sometimes based on this internalized idea that they're not supposed to be vulnerable. Hmm. I'm, of course, taking this all in and relating <laughs> it to myself. And uh, I think, compared to a lot of people, I'm very open and and uh, not afraid to be vulnerable. But, like, I definitely also, there's something in me, there's something in me that says, like, I don't want to put my shit on anybody else. But I don't think, like, are you vulnerable in the sense that you have close friends that you could text and be like, wow, I didn't get this audition and I'm feeling really weird about it. Like, I, you're, like... I'm taking this too hard on a core emotional level and I just need to say this to someone. Yeah, I have two friends like that. And I, I call them more than you <laughs> because they, I have two friends that 
also are people that need to uh, work things out out loud. And I'm one of those people. And you, you're somebody that internalizes and listens to everything that people say to you. And you take so it can be overwhelming when I come in and I'm thinking, I'm processing out loud. And I think it over, it over like you short circuit because it's like so much. <laughs> and then you resent me for feeling things because you feel everything I feel. So uh. I have two friends that I go to to like vent long term because they do it to me and we both sort of listen to each other lightly. saying that you don't share those things with me. No, I do. <laughs> But you also have, like, you tolerate it for such a My, short amount of time. I don't time. have a low tolerance for emotional confession. I have a low tolerance for meaningless chit-chat. <laughs> oh, you just, that's if, exactly why I don't want to share. Okay, but, like, if I run in, if I meet, like, a stranger at a party, yeah. like, I, someone was telling me this story, but, like, they met someone at a party and this woman immediately was like, so I'm going through a divorce, blah, blah, blah. If I meet someone like that, I'm locked in because I'm like, this is interesting. Someone telling me about the downfall of their relationship. I'm fascinated by, like, they're getting into it. This is yeah. great. This is someone being real. This is why my best friend, I connect with her so strong. Is I I met her, like, twice. I I asked to come pick her brain when she was pregnant, and I got to her apartment, and she was like, I feel like crap my bones hurt. Like she got into it. And this I was like, this is someone I can connect with. What I hate is when people want to list the like boring details of their day to day, like, ev like every little nuance of things that don't get at the truth of who they are and how they're feeling. Oh boy. Oh boy, <laughs> that's that's really hard not to take incredibly personally. Because all I heard in that is people with horrible shit going on who like are open about it. You connect. You no, it you doesn't gravitate have, to towards it those people. It doesn't have to be horrible shit though. I but also enjoy if someone is like people in like big pain who are like very open and have like heavy shit going on. No, I just gravitate towards emotional honesty. It, I could meet someone like similarly. I have friends who have met where the like I, the first time I met them, there would be like, "I love this painter. I'm so in this thing is like I love yeah. what this person is doing." Like they, but you've also had uh, some people in your life that like are very like I was to say broken people, but like awkward people that you can tell they're in pain and you feel responsible for them and you feel their pain and you feel guilty uh, for them. And then after a while you realize like, oh, this person is a huge burden and they like can't take care of yeah. themselves. And then you have to like cut them out of your life. No, that has happened. I'm not saying it hasn't. Yeah. I just think that that's not always the case with the people I'm attracted to. True. There's, there's, there's one instance that happened recently. We didn't talk about it, but we were in, we met this woman who had a very tragic thing that happened to her. Uh, and we sat down we're like, hi, nice to meet you. You know, we have a podcast. And then she just launched into her like very tragic story. And my immediate reaction is like, I smell crazy because like this, you should not, you don't know me. 
why are you sharing all of this right now? But you got into it and you listened and oh, you, you connected with this was, person. She was doing an appearance on a show to specifically talk about that issue. Yeah. Also, here's what, here's what drives me crazy is that the tragic occurrence she had is literally exactly something that's happened to me and you wanted to gloss over it and you like she was saying something and you pick a detail out of that of like I live in California and you're like oh California I was there recently and I'm like this woman just admitted to us this yeah, horrible thing I was that avoiding happened. the topic because I was so uncomfortable but that's what I'm talking about is people connecting over no. shared vulnerabilities <laughs> but here's the thing that's literally like, what happened like, to you're her ignoring social boundaries I was like this is not an appropriate thing to tell me no it two is seconds she was publicizing this. a project specifically about that and I connected with it as something that had happened to me that people here's when something like that has happened to you people never want to talk about it they always try to look the other way and change topics and it's so frustrating because you never feel seen and people always treat you like you're a bummer and people at their core need to be able to talk about these things sure but behaviorally uh, tragedy aside that was a woman if you became friends with her would drive you nuts and you'd have to friend break up with her just like I don't know about how that. she was behaving and like not picking up social cues of the people around her I tragedy aside i don't think i don't know that i would have wanted to be friends with that person but she what i will say about her handling of it is that i felt like maybe she hadn't fully processed it yet. So yes, it was a little weird the way she was talking about it. But at the same time, my wanting to talk to her was like to be like, yes, that's happened to me. And yes, that's an issue. And sort of like in that moment, help her process it a little bit. But I have grown enough as a person that I'm not going to like take that on and try to be friends with her and solve it all for her. Well, to your point, um, and I think to validate a lot of what you've said is like my reaction to that, you know, is coming from a place of like a selfish, like I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to engage in this. And a, a second part, which is like, I would never do this to, to like publicly paint a picture of that. Like I want people to f- feel sorry for me. I mean, like, that's like, I would never want to project that image. And I'm terrified of projecting that. I don't like think so, that. No, no, I'm not saying that's what she's doing. I'm saying I avoid being vulnerable on day-to-day level because if the second I'm like, oh, if someone's like, how's it going? And I'm like, well, I'm having a rough time with this. I instantly I'm like, that was so selfish of me to do to you. Distancing is like why these problems persist. Like I feel like I just – I just don't want to do that to people. But it's – okay, it's impossible to discuss this without getting into it. But this woman – had someone close to her die from opiate overdose. Yeah. And your attitude of being like, hey, can we not talk about this here? Is like, I'm, this is why... The I'm agreeing op- with you. No, but this is why the opiate addiction crisis continues is that people just want to brush it aside and they don't want to openly talk about it as if it's something that's actually affected them. And they want to... like Addiction in general, we don't deal with well in this country because people don't want to get into the actual details of how it affects people and how much they are a prisoner to it and like with the emotional core of what's happening there and the shame and guilt and all of it. And it's just incredibly a harmful attitude to have of be like, hey, can you not talk about that right now? Well, see, what you're saying, it's like that makes me sound terrible where it's like, oh, I'm not not brushing this topic under the rug. 
I'm reacting to a, a like a, a person that is not like respecting the social boundaries of strangers. No, but that's she was doing an appearance on a show. Not with me. I'm just sitting next to her on the couch, and and it's. But it's a natural. But when you're sitting next to someone in a green room couch, and you're like, "Hey, what are you here for?" She can't not say that. I know. Well, I didn't see. I'm the type of person, for better or maybe worse, where I'm like, I'm an. I go to auditions and I'm with but a bunch of actors. But you haven't had that kind of problem. You don't understand, but, like. But I'm also reacting to that sort of like level of of self-promotion which maybe is a fault of mine where i'm like i'm never gonna be like hey here's who i am here's what's up with me but i think if you like have... i see actors like that in auditions all the time they're like hey what are I, i've it's done this the and same i'm like thing, though. like you're it's like uh just <sighs> I, I hear what you're saying i just if you had to walk through the world you have a very privileged life if you had to walk through the world with the secret shame. This woman has no secret shame. She's a public figure and is like talking about it. That's great. I'm just saying how awkwardly she, she put that upon me secret. before I even knew no her No one who has experienced this does not have secret shame of trying to like trying to over the course of years coach a family member out of an addiction that they can't themselves fix or do anything about and then feeling like they couldn't have they feeling like they were supposed to save this person and they can't that's like there's no way she's not carrying an extreme amount of guilt and other emotion that you that you do not comprehend so the tiny fraction of that that you're experiencing in the room that you're like trying to brush off is like you didn't, you didn't, she was not putting that much discomfort on you proportionally to what she's experienced. Oh, of course not. <laughs> but I was just like, what a fucking weirdo. Okay. Well, I, I mean, just, even if, I 100% disagree with you on this. Okay. If she was talking about any other topic that wasn't heavy, what I still all have been like, oh, I don't want to get the close to-, to this The person. whole point is that the topic is heavy. What if she's talking about a race issue? It would be inappropriate to brush that off. If she's talking, I'm about- not brushing off her topic. Oh God. <sighs> oh, this is heated. This is heated. I just think it's such a weighty thing that, like, the fact that we don't want to look at these issues on the news and therefore like refuse to deal with them. Like that's a problem. The fact that, but what am I going to do? But this is what I'm saying about being willing to be emotionally vulnerable is that so many of the women and moms I know are willing to look at things like ice and share their, their, their incredible sadness online and call their representatives and try to do something about it. Whereas the men I know just don't say a word. <laughs> Here's another thing. So this is also <laughs> speaks the difference between you and me. Because you really, really strongly connect with this Facebook group and this this But it's group not of, it's, this is women. not a me you thing. This is Hold this on. is in Let general a male gonna, female issue. Let me say what I'm gonna say. But you don't do that in real life. You're I do. far not with me. <sighs> I, Maybe it's because you try to brush it off like you did with this woman. 
<laughs> I mean, there you are the most guarded person I know. No, but but if there's something I, about that oh social community that makes you more comfortable. I, I tell me I'm wrong. I literally bring up things like this to you, and then you do what you did to this woman, which is like you find the one thing about it that's relatable to you, which is kind of a means of brushing off the weight of the original concern. So it's like if someone's trying to open up to you and you're like, yeah, I know I've had a problem like that. I uh, stubbed my toe the other day. It's like they're not going to feel comfortable continuing to unload. My brain just short-circuited entirely. (laughs) Again, very – I know that, like, I can't engage in this conversation anymore. (laughs) Because I'm a th- I'm at a hundred percent emotional, I just want to acknowledge that. And like, I know you, you're gonna tell me why I am that way, and it's gonna make me more emotional. Okay, but like, and uh, you but can't just say that I don't connect emotionally with people because I text friends and communicate all day, face like, to face. That's what. You, but um, that's what I'm saying is that that distance of the screen. No, but I talk to my friends too and say so, the same things. Well. I can only do it that way. I have to connect with a face. And like the idea of talking to a a faceless group of people, all I'm thinking about is who the hell these characters and I create characters that I don't like. And it takes me, and maybe it's because of everything you're talking about, it takes me more time to know that it's a safe space. And I think that there's plenty of like the societal expectations of how a man should behave and how I was raised and that guarded thing that makes me feel like, well, I don't, I don't trust that me being vulnerable is going to be received well. It's not going to be read as how obnoxious I am. And so it takes a lot. And there's very few people that I open up for. But conversely, it's easier for me if I'm feeling very angry or emotional, it's easier for me to text you exactly how I'm feeling than it is for me to try to tell it to you in person because you will try to dominate the conversation and brush it aside or try to make it right very quickly without actually hearing what I'm trying to say. So that's why I prefer writing it out because that sometimes feels like the only way to actually communicate. Well, th- this is uh, this is a huge difference between us because, t- to me, I'm like, your face says more to me than any of you, than your words do. I'm not saying you're but right or wrong. You, this is just processing differently. You're saying that, but then if I was like sitting in front of you, like very angry at you, you would see my face. You would take it incredibly personally, and then on an emotional level, all you would be thinking is Beth is mad at me. I want this to end, and not be thinking about why I was mad. Well, you know what? You're right. That's true. It's 100% true. And I've learned that. I mean, this has been the hardest thing in the world for me to do, which is to have an emotional reaction and go, you're emotional, you're emotional, you're emotional, you're emotional, which means that you have attention blindness. You can only see the thing that made you upset, and the larger context is currently invisible to you. And you have to shut up, and you have to go away, and you have to be okay with the idea that maybe I'm letting Beth, quote-unquote, win, which, which like, is n- nobody wins. And go away 
and let all of this drain from my body so that I can regain my full field of vision to see what's going on <laughs> and begin to understand. And boy, that's what's happening right now. It's just like I had a second. I was about to fucking flip over this chair and I couldn't articulate. I couldn't even think why. I don't remember why. Uh, I'm glad we're all witnessing this because this is this like that mode of like, I'm so angry and I, I just want to win. And it's as if somebody is handing me binoculars and now I'm looking at the topic through binoculars just at this one point. That's just like, I want to kill this thing. And I just completely forget what's around it. Right. I mean, but I think not to probably upset you again, but that, that goes back to my earlier point, which I think is that men are less likely to feel that processing their emotions is their problem. And they want to put it on someone, usually a woman, to process it for them. Uh, but I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want anyone to deal with my stuff. I just need to say it out loud and go away. But the emotions have to get processed somewhere. Otherwise, we end up with active shooters. Okay. I'm going to go kill somebody. Okay. Well. No, no. <laughs> I understand that. I understand it. Uh, uh. Okay. Anyway. Um, that was Okay. That, anyway, this was the so, original article was how new fathers use social media to make sense of their roles. Don't use it. I, I don't trust strangers. <laughs> Boy, I'm, this was like 35 minutes of talking. So we're going to have to, if whatever you're listening to, to now is definitely an edited down. Oh, God, you're going to cut out all my points. No, I'm not. Uh, you you want to edit it? Go ahead. But boy, okay. All right. This was a lot to unpack. I want to hear from people. Um, uh, here's, the cha- here's the challenge for our listeners, okay? If you are... Uh, if you reacted to this the way I wa- I did, you're probably a man, but m- not necessarily. Um, uh, or if you're a woman, uh, whatever side of this you gravitated to, if you got emotional about this, I want you to do an exercise. And this is something I the have tried. The idea that there's not a strong gender divide on this is Well, I assume funny. that there is, but I also <laughs> don't want to assume. If you okay. had a strong emotional reaction to this, I want you to... Um, do an exercise with me. This is what I try to do, uh, which is l- give it some time and come back to this. And I want you to write in uh, or call in and tell me what you learned about the other side of this. Find the lesson on the other side, the, the, the thing that you want to reject. What in it is valid? And don't give me why it's wrong. Give me why it's right. And I want to hear what people. What are you asking for, people? I'm people. This is a this is a debate class exercise where I'm giving you the counter argument that you don't stand by. And I want to hear what you might be able to pull from the side that you don't want to accept. Does that make sense? That's what yeah, I'm going to okay. do. I challenge you, listeners, to do the same and share. Okay. Oh, we're getting through it, Beth. I love you with all my heart. <laughs> Love you too. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a Day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. All right, now it's time for listeners want to knows. Now we have we've had a lot of listener mail in the past few weeks that we haven't gotten to, so I want to throw out a few and uh, just talk about them. Uh, first of all, we got an email from our favorite listener, Barb. We <laughs> talked about Barb recently. Barb wrote in. We love Barb. We love Barb, and she, out I love, just started signing her emails. Barb. <laughs> With an exclamation point. She also signs, like, from Cubicle Land. Is that, is oh, that yeah, yeah. She, she lives in Cubicle Land. Um, <laughs> uh, um, and here's from Barb. She wrote a, a, a few things, but this is the one that I gravitated towards. She listened to our episode talking about Bryn on the airplane screaming, you're hurting me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she says, we live here in uh, Pennsylvania, but I'm originally from Saskatchewan. We flew home in uh, last year from my sister's wedding where I was a bridesmaid and my son was a ring bearer. We flew Air Canada and the only international flight out of uh, Harrisburg is this dinky little Air Canada flight on a 20-seater plane to Toronto. This is fine. The whole plane is this is fine. The whole plane is terrifying. It sounds like it's going to fall apart. So you kind of sit down, close your eyes and spend an hour and a half praying to any god that will listen that they don't find your bodies in Lake Michigan. They don't even have a door between the seats of the cabin and the cockpit. Yep, you look right out of the front of the plane. The pilots are uh, also the flight attendants. 
So my son and husband have the front row seats A1 and 2. There's only one seat on each side of the plane. I'm four rows back. My son has his tablet, but he's excited that the pilots what the pilots are doing. However, that's only interesting for takeoff, and he loses interest pretty quick and resorts to drawing on his tablet. Every time he draws something, he would hold it up and holler back at me, Hey, Mommy! Do you like my picture? He had to holler because the plane was loud, but there's 20 people on the plane, too, and they all had to see his drawings. And it got to the point where everyone would give him a big thumbs up for every picture he drew, and he thought it was great having 20 people weighing in on his art. I was like, oh, man, he's going to think he's Picasso. (laughs) Cheers. Barb! I can see Bryn doing that proudly to everyone. Uh, Although he's not the artist of the two. He does okay, but Maven is is more advanced. Maven really impressed me a couple weeks ago when she started drawing faces with circle eyes and a mouth, and I was, like, blown away. Yeah. It's really impressive for her age. Um, she's also very good with scissors, apparently, they say at daycare. Bryn, mm-hmm. when, when uh, he, we applied to pre-K and we asked daycare to fill out a thing about him, they, like, grade him on certain skills, and he had perfect scores on everything except, like, hand-eye coordination. It was, like, fine motor skills or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, like, one below. It's, like, once again... He's exactly you, and Maven is exactly me. Because she's I like, "I am great at scissors," <laughs> but you're better. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of proof around, including paint, paint lines around this apartment, to prove that you're better at that than if, I. Am. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's scissors. Yeah, if there's anything uh, you're good at. It's drawing, painting in a straight line. <laughs> if Bryn did that on airplane, that would be my worst nightmare. Uh, when I was little, and we go to the store, and my if my mom ever yelled across the store for me. Hey, Peter! I, I, I remember being a blockbuster, and she's like, Peter, where are you? And you would, like, duck and, and cover. And I ducked down below the shelves and, like, quietly like a ninja rushed to her so that she would stop. But it wasn't until I got to her, I was like, yeah, I'm here. What? <laughs> but I'm still that way. Less so, because I'm a man and I can't be vulnerable in front of people. Come on! Anyway, here's another email. Are you ready? Um, so this, we had a couple of really interesting emails from our conversation about race, where we talked about when is an appropriate time to talk about uh, race and all the societal implications attached to that with your child. And we, we left that conversation going like, we don't know, we'll, we'll sort of hit it when we think he understands. Um, um, and here's uh, this one woman, Rachel, wrote in and said... Um, She has a son who's three and a half years old, and he's definitely aware that people are different colors. My husband is from India, and so he knows that mommy is white and that papa is brown. He calls himself both, depending on when you ask him. And I just leave it there. It seems to me the best course of action is to say, yes, people are different colors. I have a tattoo, so I told him that you can add color to your body as well, which he finds really cool. I normalize the idea that it is uh, a way to identify people. But it isn't adding that political bias that people seem to want to avoid talking about. Little kids like to use simple categories to help order their world, and color is a great way to do that. I'm taking the approach that if he asks me more questions about the differences between people, uh, that is when I will explain it because he is showing an interest and wanting to understand. Hopefully that helps. I don't know. Ha ha! Rachel. 
Yeah, I think we had another listener that said something similar that was sort of like a way you could talk about it with young kids is like if they ask you, just be like, yeah, some people are this color, some people are that color. I think that makes sense. I, at the risk of sounding like I'm trying to like skirt the conversation, I think if a kid brings it up like that and says something about your skin color, I think it makes perfect sense to respond. I just think if you're like taking a very small child like we have and sitting them down to have this conversation out of the blue, it's going to result in some sort of weird thing on the playground where they're trying to like label other kids. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like, yeah, it's like I talked about death because Bryn goes, what is this? Where's the old lady? Um, yeah, for sure. And this is very much talking about sort of the factual uh, component of of race, that you look, people look differently. And uh, uh, it being okay to acknowledge that, obviously, yeah. uh, is great. I'm Here's, sure there's got to be some sort of book out there or research that, that yeah. says exactly what developmentally is appropriate for different ages. Um, yeah, actually, it's reminding me, we've got some emails about that, um, some stuff I still need to dig into. But here's a, this is another... Uh, email that was great. Um, This is from Chloe. Um, I really liked that you guys even touched on the topic of talking about race with your kids. I just wanted to make a point that it is a privilege to decide that you don't have to talk to your kid about race, uh, even though they are so young. For children and parents of color, not addressing race is a luxury that they do not have, for safety reasons particularly, uh, which seems... while it seems like a scary topic to touch on, I don't believe it's something to be left until the last minute and uh, hope they turn out okay. This is an mm-hmm. excellent point. No, but, it's a great point. I still just have to keep saying our son is just barely turned four, though, and it's like... Yeah. I, I don't want to leave this conversation the last minute, but I also don't think it would make sense to have with him right now out of the blue. Yeah, <laughs> it, but but the big thing is recognizing... You know, that particularly like if you are black parents in this country, not exclusively, but like that, that is a conversation that's probably that needs to happen in certain circumstances mm-hmm. for safety reasons. And I know I've talked to uh, parents, uh, people of color who, you know, relationship with the police, they have to talk to their kids differently about and we have the the great luxury of. Not worrying about that. Yeah, for sure. And that is like, we don't have to explain it to him right now because I don't think he'll understand. But there's no danger in that for us. And that is a privilege and something I did not consider at all until uh, I got this email. Um, So thank you, Chloe. That was great. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for listening. This has been another episode of We Knows Parenting. Uh, If uh, you'd like to submit a question or share a story, give some advice or suggestion on possible parenting hypothetical for our Would You Knows segment, you're welcome to email us at weknowspod at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 347-384-7396. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at We Knows Pod. Um, our website, WeKnowsParenting.com, also has all of this information along with some t shirts. Merch. If you take a look at that. Buy some funny shirts. Um, also, uh, maybe this is the week you uh, give us a good review and uh, you write something yeah, about it. Rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, especially this, our iTunes. most contentious and emotional episode. Uh, uh, <laughs> tell us that you love us. 
Uh, thank you guys so much. We love you. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye. Bye. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.